All right, now we're back for another edition of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. NBA Draft. We're going to have one. Don't know when we're going to have one, but we're going to have one. And I've got a great guest on here today to talk some NBA draft to try and shake up the mold and shake up what we're doing here at the Lakers Fast Break because there's so much still to talk about when it comes to the round ball. And I tell you what, this one is going to be a fun one for me because I love talking about what the future could hold for the NBA as far as the NBA draft, all the players that are out there, you know, what's, who's intriguing and all that. And here today for the show is a great guest indeed. He's written before for Rookie Wire, also as well, NBADraft.net, but you can catch him now for Perspective Insight, and that's available at PerspectiveInsight.com. It is Michael Weisenberg, and Michael, it's great to have you on the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Gerald, and great to talk about basketball. It really does never stop, and um, you know we have a lot of old games to catch up on. We have definitely new things to look forward to, and uh, definitely an unprecedented time, but yeah, I, I, basketball is going to keep going one way or the other. I hope everyone out there is safe where you're at and safe and healthy. Oh, yeah. So far, you know, I, I'm in Oregon right now, and uh, we're doing the best we can. Everybody I know is being really careful. And, um, yeah, so far, um, just trying to get through this as best we know how and um, looking for any new information that we find. But I, I think – just around a thousand cases here, so it's uh, not as bad as a lot of other places in the country. Well, that's good. So, uh, you know, from all of us here at the Lakers Fast Break, we just want to go ahead and tell you to stay safe, stay healthy, all you and the entire family out there. Just appreciate you joining us here today. And if everybody wants to get a better insight as far as prospects, both high school and also college, you can go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter today. I'm going to give you that Twitter handle right now. It's at NBA Draft Mikey V. That's at NBA Draft Mikey V for all the latest going on in the NBA Draft. And that's something first I want to ask you, Michael, is the NBA Draft because the season hasn't actually finished yet. I know there's a lot of talk about having to play at least 70 games. So you and I were discussing it before. Bahamas, Las Vegas doing a tournament as far as or at least – finishing out the rest of the season for these 30 teams because I think it was said on the other day on uh, Chad Ford's podcast by Mark Stein that they have to play to 70 games so that the NBA doesn't have to pay back those regional networks because, you know, when it's all about the dollar, it's all yeah. about the dollar. So they're going to try hard to try and have some sort of tournament. And then they're going to have some type of truncated playoffs, you know, and all that, hopefully, if everything goes out you know, reasonably well, but your thoughts on that process, your thoughts on if they should continue the season and will there be an NBA draft at some point in time in your opinion? Because I, I think there has to be, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think there will be a draft. It's just completely up to whatever information we find out about COVID-19 and everything going on there. But yeah, like I, I have to think that at the very least, the draft is going to be moved back likely to when, well, first off, I think it has to be whenever the season is concluded. And if they do cancel the season or have something along those lines, I, I still feel like it, it would be moved back uh, a little further than normal. I know that like T 
teams put a lot into meeting these guys in person and like having workouts and all of those things that go into the entire process of the draft. And if they don't have that typical process, they just want as much information as possible about these players. So, um, yeah, I, I have to feel that the draft is not going to be in June. And my feeling is likely August or September. But, yeah, it, it's really up to whatever information we find out about the season. Like, it's the draft is definitely in parlance with how the season concludes and uh, what they decide to do there. And that's something that's going to be very difficult for these teams to gauge. I mean – it's already, in essence, in many ways, a crapshoot when you have the NBA draft. And you and I have seen mm-hmm. over the many years that that both of us have been following the NBA draft. You know, you could think you have these uh, surefire hits, and then they end up being surefire misses. Uh, and then you have these uh, individuals that, oh, man, he's a project. And then all of a sudden, he turns out to be and develop into a great player. So he, it works either way. And, you know, all these teams, no matter how much research they do, it always ends up being sometimes, like I said, a matter of, you know, a will, a matter of health and a matter of just for some of these teams, it's just like they just can't get it right. Or in some other teams, they just can't get it wrong. Well, I think every team gets it wrong sometimes. To go on with your point, like I feel, yeah, it's definitely it's not a perfect process. And so much comes down to personality and team fit, all, all of these variables that uh, a lot of these players, especially like, you know, with the sample size that we have, we're not completely sure how they're going to, you know, fit with that. So we're going off a lot of uh, unknown variables that we're trying to use history to kind of weed through that whole process and say that, you know, with this guy's skill set or with his, athletic tools like we think he could be this so yeah that's a a large part of the draft and it's definitely an imperfect process and i have to say some teams have it figured out better than others but it's not perfect in the least for any team because of all these unknowns exactly i mean you've seen before all these surefire hits like i said yes some of them end up not becoming that and uh, that's the process you're talking about because there, there's so much weight into it. All these teams invest so much time, finances, and resources into trying to go ahead and finding the best options available for them in the draft. One of those options was or you know, has been over the years is the draft combine that usually takes place in Chicago every year, which I'm assuming at this point in time is not going to take place. But this is something I wanted to ask you as a draft expert and the combine itself, as you know, has not always been attended or mandatory attended by all draft choices. A lot of the draft choices, especially if they're higher up, have their own private workouts. Uh, you know, the infamous, uh, you know, I'm going to do a, a turnaround jump shot against a chair or, you know, or I pick out my opponent or I pick out the guy who I'm going to work out against who was like maybe an undrafted guy or something like that, just so I can look real good. I mean, you've seen the process so many times, but, you know, there's been a few here that uh, in Las Vegas before the draft that these private workouts being held. Uh, Christoph Porzingis, I remember, is one that uh, had it here in Las Vegas just beforehand. But 
I was thinking as far as something along the lines of the combine. It, you know, I know that some of the best times that these players, when they get to play against each other in the combine, is a great way of gauging some of these later in the first round, some of these second round type picks that they're, they're out there. But can it, we get to the point in a CBA and a collective bargain agreement that the one that's coming up, you know, here in a year or so, two years, I think, or whatnot, that the draft combine at least has to be attended by all these draft horses? Because I think it helps organize us better. Maybe you can have those draft workouts then. It just seems to make more sense that they could all happen in one place. It would be nice, but I, I feel like that's something the players are going to push back on. Um, and also, it's been like a long time thing where even the players who uh, attended, like they pretty much just get measured and like, you know, kind of have a uh, interviews with teams and stuff like that. The one thing I think the NBA is pushing for and like would obviously be really nice to know is uh, medical. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were yeah. going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be great to know, uh, you know, the injury history and everything like that. Like right now, the agents hold a ton of power there. And yeah, so th that would be one thing to that I, I think uh, league and owners uh, and just organizations in general are pushing towards. But yeah, having everybody attend the combine, I, I don't think is the end of the world. It, and it usually the combine I think is more beneficial for guys kind of shooting, trying to shoot up draft boards. Those are usually the guys playing in the actual scrimmages and um, you know, doing the shooting warmups and, and all of those like athleticism testing and everything like that. Like, like Anthony Davis didn't go to the combine. So like kind of since then, and like Kyrie Irving was hurt. Like you have a lot of guys who, who haven't gone and you just kind of know that they're, you know, the top guys, but yeah, agencies always hold a lot of power and they, they always are, you know, kind of trying to set up their guide, their players for the, the best success possible. I even remember that. I don't know if you remember this at all, but, uh, in uh, 2002, when Yao Ming had his uh, little private workout against Oregon Center, I, I went to University of Oregon. Uh, Chris Christofferson, mm -hmm. I remember not Chris. an NBA player, but yeah. he was a huge guy. And then you know you have like the famous like Bismarck Biombo against a chair and like you know things like that. I, I think that's always going to be prevalent. But yeah, the, the medical testing, I, I or medical results, I think would be something great to have. Every year, some players get flagged as um, medical concerns, and sometimes that doesn't matter. Like that—that's the the kind of amazing thing. Like sometimes, like I, I know there were a couple players that were flagged last year who still went in the first round, and well, like I know one went in the lottery. Like it's, uh, but yeah, it, it just would be nice for all teams to have access to that. But again, like, you know, that that could be something about player privacy and, and things along those lines as well. So it, it's an ongoing discussion. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of feel like the combine would still be status quo at this point. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to happen this year. And, and I don't blame you for saying that. But the medical is a key because, like you said, the agents do hold a great deal of power and holding it from one team as far as the medical records are concerned and giving it to another, that seems to me very unfair. It is just have it out there for the NBA, you know, that set and they should just send it to the NBA and the NBA can release it 
uh, you know, and find a way to privately release it to the teams that are interested in. You mentioned as far as medical history, I mean, Joel Embiid, he was, uh, you know, someone that was drafted high with the knowledge by Philadelphia, who was in the middle of the process at that point in time. Their idea was, okay, we don't get him for another year or two years before he gets out in court, but that's okay. We're cool with that. We're going to get him anyways. But he could have gone number one and probably didn't because of his medicals. So that's, sure. that's an excellent point that you're trying to make. Yeah. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm on with Michael Weisenberg. He's at NBA Draft Mikey V. Got to go ahead and check out all the great stuff that he's doing there. At, and also as well, his, his place, prospectiveinsight.com. You, you got to go ahead and check out that out as well. I want to ask you, touching on the draft and the whole process of it, obviously this makes it more difficult to scout, not only for your end, but also the NBA teams and whatnot, that there was no NCAA tournament that yeah. there really was no conference tournaments for the most part. I mean, the Pac-10 tournament, they shut down halfway, if I remember correctly. and uh, Not even. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like it was the first games for a couple, I think. It was, um, yeah, so the teams that didn't have buys played that first day, and then um, the like once it got down to eight teams, they, they shut it down. Yeah, so for you know you guys out there that, that this is your livelihood – and this is what you're trying to do as far as to gauge exactly who fits where as far as the NBA, to the top 100 players, et cetera, et cetera. Plus also Europe. How was that affected as far as scouting Europe? Because there had to be some EuroLeague games that were still having to go on, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the EuroLeague Final Four, I, I'm assuming that season's over. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know if they plan to come back, but – yeah, there, there was definitely still basketball left to be played there. And I can see that happening because there's a lot of players now that are filing for the NBA draft. In fact, we had just one this weekend from France that's filed for the NBA draft. Players now realizing that their season's over, so they're going to go ahead and we're starting to see the, the filing for the NBA draft from not only college players, but also as well, like I said, from the EuroLeague. How hard a process, though, is that because you're trying to gauge – recent activity for these players and there's really outside of january and early february even mid-february there's really not a whole lot to go off of that you would normally go off of in a regular process see i am i'm not sure about like not having as much to go off of like i think they still have a pretty large body of work for the most part so i like the thing i always kind of wonder about and would love to do more research into is how much like the NCAA tournament really like matters. It, so it's great in many ways. And I to say that the NCAA tournament hasn't helped some players draft stock is just like not true. But does it like, to me, it, it's never really made like a guy, like if you're a top guy, 
the NCAA tournament's probably not doing tons. It's of not the be all end all. No, not at all. And I, I know there are some organizations, I think, who like kind of wait off and like don't even watch the tournament. And then they kind of just go back and they, they don't want their opinion shaken one way or the other. And then as far as European players, like it definitely is a bummer. But I'm sure there were lots of teams that had planned to go to the EuroLeague Final Four and to go and watch these guys a little bit further. Like, you know, once they face a little bit better competition. And that, that's the other thing that the NCAA tournament gives is like, you know, you get to play against like some great teams and like, uh, you know, last year seen John Morant against Florida State, like, you know, you kind of saw some of the possible issues he might have in his NBA translation. He obviously has well surpassed that and was like fantastic this year. Absolutely. Um, was very lucky I got a chance to see him right before. Uh, I, I had a friend in Memphis and uh, got to see a couple games there. I actually got to see him against the Lakers, where he had a fantastic game. And Yes, yeah. he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> that was a crazy one. Um, but he, uh, yeah, so, but even seeing that, like, you know, you, you take John Morant's entire season and you don't take that one game. With all these guys, like, you know, you, you have to take the whole body of work into account and uh i i think they they have like luckily this didn't happen before conference play yeah. right like that like we we still have a vast majority of the season left most of these guys probably only have like maybe like three or four games left so yeah i i think that um there, there's still so much information we're going off of right now and i i think Teams are really focused on that. And, you know, they have tons of video on these guys at this point. At this point, yeah, you're right. Because now in, we live in the age where everything's on YouTube, everything's out there yep. on Facebook videos and social media and all that. So uh, the only well, thing is better access too. like, yeah, know, they have like synergy and like uh, lots of other things where they can uh, look at these old games. Absolutely. And so there isn't as much of a great need for it. But you're right. Those players that, uh, you know, there's a few. I'm going to say like DeAndre Hunter from Virginia that went to Atlanta. Uh, His stock may have risen because of his performance uh, in the NCAA tournament just a little bit. Maybe. But even so, I I still feel like even before then, he he was definitely thought of pretty highly. Okay. But you've seen it. There's there's people that skyrocket every now and then uh, because of is a good example. Like, I, I don't think he would have gone 15 without uh, his run in the tournament. Like, yeah, there are definitely guys who have risen because of the tournament. And uh, I think you're going to see maybe some players that might have tested the waters go back to school because they didn't have a chance to really use those last few games to boost their stock. Absolutely. I recommend right now if they do not get an agent or they do when they test the waters, they just go ahead and see where they're at and they don't like it they can go ahead and go back to it those cases where they get an agent or they think of themselves highly or they have people just talking in their ear that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and you and i have seen it before they get drafted or go undrafted and it their life is now just changed forever and and just it's disappointed to see that they're not allowed to go back because they made a poor decision or someone help them make a poor decision in their minds. And we see that every now and then. I uh, Hopefully we won't see that this year, 
but is there anyone out there that you might think has already stepped into the fire maybe a little bit too early? I don't know. I, the thing I, I'm really hoping, and you know, we're seeing this more and more with the NCAA getting pressure, is the NCAA being lenient towards players this year because of this unforeseen circumstance. Uh, so, and I, I think that the NCAA is, I, I think at least trying to be better about the whole, like, I, I think players now can even like talk to agents and, you know, go through that process and without like signing their life away or NCAA career away. So yeah, I, I'm hoping the NCAA does the right thing. I, I can never really count on that, but um, you know, we can, uh, it certainly hope so with what's happening now, maybe pushing back the date to be able to go back to college. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it has to be so tough to even uh, evaluate these guys at this point because, you know, you don't really have it. it yeah. It's just a, a totally different ball game. And yeah. um, you, you don't really know when the draft is going to be. And yeah, it's uh, this really, it, it's like, like nothing I've seen before. So you, no. you just, uh, time will tell. I don't, I feel right now that like the past couple of years, the uh, ability to test the process has gotten much more in the player's favor which I think it always should have been. Because yeah. um, these were 18-year-old kids, 19-year-old kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, why not, like, if you have the ability to check and see, and, like, getting the the evaluation lets you know what you need to work on if yeah. you're not going to the NBA. Like, for instance, I, I know Peyton Pritchard tested the process last year for University of Oregon, even got to go and look at a few teams. And he comes back this year and is like a new player, Pac-12 player of the year, uh, consensus first team All-American. Like, I I have to think that going through that process helped to at least some extent, yeah. uh, if not like a large extent. Yeah. So, yeah, just having the ability to do that, like, because th these are a lot of these guys that are testing the process, even if they're not future NBA players, like they're going to have a career in basketball at some point. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah. So why, why not give them all the, the tools they could possibly want for that, which I, I think, you know, is part of testing the waters. And let's hope they'll be the NCAA, I mean, be a little bit more lenient during, because of the circumstances. You know, so much is unsure right now. These kids, they don't know that they're, that they're filing. They're not sure exactly where they stand because so much uncertainty going on. So Hopefully the NCA will allow some of these cases to go by and say, you know what, we understand what was going on. We're going to go ahead and allow you to come back into the NCA because we know it's just something that just is very uncertain going on at this point in time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that these kids will not make any long term mistakes about over what happened this course of this this year because of what you know what's going on with coronavirus. I'm hoping that these kids will not have any long term mistakes by entering the NBA draft when they shouldn't have or listening to wrong advice. And, you know, we see it every year that there's one or two kids that you know, end up making a mistake like that. I'm hoping this year of all years, won't, that will not be the case. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about, about uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, about the draft process and all that, but there's also the great players that are in the draft, the ones that we do know 
are going to go ahead and make you know a lot of uh, headway in the draft. It's just starting out this process for guys like yourself and people out there that are looking into the draft as far as trying to position, trying to see where everybody stands. Uh, you know, a lot of players now are filing for the NBA draft. I know there's some early choices as far as who's near the top, who's at the top. Uh, I've seen quite a bit of flux when you go all to all the different sites and whatnot as far as uh, one through ten. The cannot, there's not a consensus, number one, but if I had to lay money right now, I'd say Anthony Edwards is probably the most, uh, I guess, uh, favored individual for that spot. But then again, since Golden State will most likely, if it's based off of record and we don't do a lottery, mm -hmm. would be the number one team at this point in time, Anthony Edwards isn't quite exactly the greatest fit. So I want to hear your thoughts on Anthony Edwards as a player. And do you think that he is... Not the perspective, but the uh, I guess would say the the guy that people mostly are leaning on as the number one choice as of right now. Although, as you know, that can always change. For sure, it seems as of right now that most people have Anthony Edwards. Like, if he's not number one, he's close to the top. Just like amazing build for uh, a player. He's also you know young for class. He he reclassified. And he just is a terrific shot maker as well. Like he'll, he can do some things to create like for himself that a lot of other players can't do. And then when you combine that with the athleticism and strength that he has, like as an still 18 year old, he looks like he could be a, a pretty good NBA player in due time. He struggled this year. Like he definitely, he, he would have, I think, like far and away the lowest true shooting percentage for a uh, first pick, like probably ever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if if he were the selection, I think that is probably going to be the case, like regardless of who you draft, really first pick. Like this is considered like a, a weaker draft because of the huge uncertainty of yeah. so many of these players this year. And like, you, you know, nobody really quelled people's fears through their play in, in college or even like professionally, like everybody there has a few wrinkles, but yeah, right now I would say Anthony Edwards would like likely be at the top of most people's boards. A few other people I, I know are up there are um, Lamella Ball, who like is considered, he was playing really well in Australia and just looked like he fit in. He's a, liked it so much he bought the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> I, I think it's very cool. It seems like the NBL is doing some great things there, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know there aren't any, like, next stars guys right now who are going over. Last year it was uh, LaMelo. You had RJ Hampton. You had Terry Armstrong who said that he's going into the draft, and I need to look at it a little bit closer. And then you had – um. Didi, who was drafted by the Pelicans in the second round, and they sent him over there to kind of gain NBA preparedness. He played really well in um, the uh, Summer League. So, yeah, having that program, I, I feel like there are going to be more players that go over next year. And I, I have a couple in mind, but I won't say anything at this point. But, but you, uh, you like that process about them going to the NBL as opposed to yeah. maybe, let's say, maybe staying here, not necessarily with an NCAA 
college or whatnot, but maybe let's say going into the G League in that process as well? That's a really good question. My thing with the G League is I don't know what incentive the G League would have to play these guys. So, and, you know, the G League is like full of guys who are like a step away from the NBA and competing. Like, it's, I think it's a lot tougher in the G League. And then I don't know why like a team would take like a guy that young and just without having the rights to that player. Like, I, I feel like there's still a strange process there. Plus, you can make more money in the NBA. Yeah, and I think that's a, another thing there. So yeah, I still don't think the G League process for having prospects is is perfect yet. And like you know, you heard like Darius Baisley was thinking of going there, and then he just did the thing with New Balance and made a million dollars. And uh, yeah, like you know, why not? I like the Next Stars program. I I think that's just a, a smart way to go. And I I still yeah, it's just. It's strange, like, because the Next Stars program does actually, like, what it does is it basically, you're only allowed a certain amount of international players who aren't Australian or from New Zealand on your team. And the Next Stars just basically gives you, like, a free slot to have that guy that you can pay a little bit more money to and then maybe get, like, a, more of a buyout as well if they get drafted. So um, I, I think that was why it was pretty brilliant. But uh, and just in terms of Lamelo Ball, like yeah, fantastic passer. Like people, of course, will compare him to his brother. But a better ball handler than Lonzo, someone who seems more confident going to the hoop. Yeah, absolutely. So great handle. He's got the size of as well. Uh, shooting definitely still, you know, the big thing. Uh, yeah. Much like with Lonzo, I think he just has some things that you can't really teach. And uh, that's why people really are high on him as a prospect, especially given this draft. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. You still think as a prospect, do you think he could become better than Anthony Edwards? Or do you think he, at this point in time, still people are leaning towards Anthony Edwards because he's a more proven commodity or he played in the NCAA? Because you were talking so fondly about where he was playing in Australia and I saw a, a little bit of his action too down there. It seemed like it's, you know, and from what I've investigated and looked at it, it seems like very much what you're saying that is a comparable league to what they're playing in in the NCAA. But yet Anthony Edwards seems to, even though he struggled mightily at Georgia at times, still seems to be in a lot more favor at this time. And that, that seems to me kind of puzzling because the mellow ball, as you said, has some gifts that maybe no other player in this draft has. Yeah, it, I, I think that it, it will depend on who you talk to. Yeah. And like, not every team is going to have the same board. While he's the consensus number one, it doesn't mean he's going to be like the unanimous number one. Yeah. Uh, and, and some years there are, but the, I think this is a year where it really will depend on who you talk to. 
And um, LaMelo, I think, is absolutely in the running with a, a few teams out there. And while Anthony Edwards does have the athleticism and strength and, like, he's going to score. Golden State, although Golden State gets the first pick. Yeah. Because they need a big man, they could go James Wiseman. Uh, it's possible. I, I don't know if it's probable just because of fit. Or they might um, trade it if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see them trade down. And uh, like it's kind of funny that the narrative last year was like anybody after Zion, you're like trade down, trade down. And after the third pick, you saw a bunch of people trade down. But at the same time, I, I feel like uh, yeah, like Golden State probably is at least from the the guys who they're apparently interested in. I, like I'm not sure they want the first pick and they wouldn't rather like trade down, get some assets on top of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really try and compete next year. Yeah, Cause and, they have, they'll be loaded. Yeah. 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 Like, so. like, you know, this was a good year to take off with exactly. happen. Red shirt uh, year. Yeah. Honestly. For, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, they, they'd been playing so many minutes the past five years that uh, it, I guess it was just due. Yeah, just with how everything worked out there. Who intrigues you at the top of the draft? I mean, you mentioned LaMelo Ball as someone that intrigues yeah. you at or near the top of the draft. I mean, yeah. Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, he, we really didn't get much of a sample size because his uh, season at Memphis was cut so short. Yeah. Is there anyone else near or, you know, in that, let's say, lottery range that intrigues you right now that you're taking in maybe an extra few minutes to take a look at on tape and whatnot? Yeah, Killian Hayes. He played in Germany this past year, and he just is a, a very skilled player, really good passer, has good size for a guard, and he, he somebody I, I definitely want to take a closer look at. And it seems like he's right now consensus like top half of the lottery. Yeah, Denny Abdia, he's been in Israel the last few years playing for Maccabi, and just another like very skilled player. The shooting is a huge question mark with him. He doesn't shoot well from the free throw line, but he shoots like at least fairly well from three and is willing to take them, which I, I think is a big part. But also like really good passer, like six foot nine. He's not like doesn't have like ideal length, but you know, just an, another like skilled player who you could see being a, a really strong piece for a team. And it seems like a lot of teams near the top of the draft are very intrigued by him as well. A player from California or, you know, from the California area who has really risen up the, the draft boards this year, considering he, he wasn't a McDonald's All-American, he was like right on the precipice of that and should have been, uh, was Onyeka Okongwu for uh, USC. And um, I got a chance to see him live this year and watched a bunch of his games and very impressive in terms of like his defensive instincts, his athleticism, and his movement to possibly cover multiple positions if need be. So he um, is another guy that I, I think, you know, th those are like a, a few players who I, I think are going to definitely be near the top of the draft and some of the guys, some of the more desirable prospects this year. Absolutely. There's some uh, good choices there. I, 
I was looking at as you were speaking and all of them, like you said, are in that lottery range are, and you know, most likely, like you said, with the international players have a chance to move up even further as people watch more tape and evaluate them more closely, because it always seems like if there's a good international prospect, they move even higher as it gets closer to the draft because more buzz, more word gets out on them. You know, hey, look at this tape. Hey, look at these highlights. Hey, look at these, you know, his measurements and whatnot. So definitely is something that we could look forward to. And yes, uh, you know, as you talk about with uh, Okongwu, he, he looks like to me, I, I saw him very, very good player. I think he, he could be someone that is, it could be a nice two-way player in the league. Uh, but, you know, obviously they're, with everyone, they, they have things that they need to work on. And like you said, I'm seeing that there's no definitive number one pick, but there are a lot of players with potential. And that to me is something that's very intriguing. Seeing a, a I don't want to say a prospects only at near or top of the draft that can do it. I see, I see potential at various points of the draft throughout the first round. Don't you? Oh, for sure. And any draft, it's about getting somebody who you can deem is either valuable for your team or a valuable asset down the line to to trade. But every draft is going to have guys who, you know, out outplay where they were drafted. And um is there anybody that you're looking at maybe a little bit lower that you think has uh got some potential? Yeah, I there are a couple guys from Florida State who I think might be drafted like potentially too low, and that's Pat Williams and Devin Vassell. Some players I like lower. I, I don't know. I've kind of seen his stock all over the place, but I, I still feel it could be a really solid NBA player. Tyrese Maxey as well from Kentucky. Varied opinions on him like all over the place, but I just think has like a solid scoring acumen, some great touch, and is like a sufficient enough passer. He's not going to like run your team or anything like that, but I, I think eventually he could be a a guy that can at least, you know, get you some points and play some good defense. So his size might restrict his, uh, you know, where he's at. Is yeah. that, that holding him back? I, I, th- I think to an extent, but even his size isn't like as terrible as people kind of seem to, to think it is. I like, I, I think he, with, he's about like six, two and a half and like, like, you know, has like a six, six and a half uh, wingspan, like, Eight, three and a half of standing reach. Like that's a little small for a two guard, but not like out of this world small. So yeah, I, I still think he is a very good player who people should be looking at in that lottery range. Absolutely. That's some great insight right there for you. Once again, I'm talking to Mike Visenberg. You got to go ahead and reach out to him today on his Twitter at NBA Draft Mikey V. You'll see a lot of great prospects in both high school and also college. As you prepare, you get your notes together for the NBA draft. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today. Also, as well, his site, Prospective Insight, that he's a part of. You got to go ahead and check that out as well. But at NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter, follow him there because I am doing it right now as we speak. So I'm going to go ahead and follow him. You need to follow him too at NBA Draft Mikey V. Mike, before we head on out or before I turn it over to you on what you're working on. I want to go ahead and say, you know, this is a Laker-centric podcast at times. So I do want to mention that, yes, the, when you get back to where the Lakers would be drafting, and they do have to draft, they're not trying – they can't give away this draft pick. You know, they're, they're trying very hard to give away all their draft picks, but the Septian rule, you can't give them all away. 
at least not until you draft them and then you can trade them. And then that's another story. <laughs> With the draft coming up, obviously the Lakers would be at, at this point the, at the back end of a draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if you're Lakers and you're starting to go ahead and sit down with your scouting team or whatnot, you know, and your scouting team has some initial prospects that they want you to look at, who would you be thinking about? Yeah, I was giving that some thought, and I, I was maybe thinking like just when you have a team with LeBron James, you want shooting. Yeah, and you you either want like you know he would love to have more playmakers, more shooters just athletes to run with him and knock down open shots. So one guy I thought, you know, potentially, I'm, I'm not sure how much he, he would help. Like when you're picking 29, you're yeah. not really sure how much the, the player is going to help. Like Kyle Kuzma, if anything, was like just great value because he was able to help so early. At, and like, Josh Hart too at that point in time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, they made some great picks near that, that end of uh, the draft. Uh, yeah, um, if, if because Zubak, uh, you know, a couple years before, he, sure. yeah, so yeah. They, they've done well at that. At that you know, yeah, like you know, the fact they could, you know, make Hart part of that uh, Anthony Davis trade package. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's what you're looking for. A guy that I was thinking, you know, maybe they, they might be looking at is uh, like a Cassius Stanley from, uh, from Duke. He's from that area. He played for Sierra Canyon and just, Phenomenal athlete. Just good size for a guard. Yeah. Good, like decent and not crazy long or anything like that. I think that was part of why he jumped so high is I, I wonder what the standing reach was. <laughs> but um, yeah, he uh, very good athlete and, you know, a guy who could potentially knock down shots next to LeBron. Isaiah Joe from Arkansas is another guy who I, I kind of thought of as potentially being like uh, somebody you look at in the late first round because he's such a phenomenal shooter and would be so nice next to LeBron and like, you know, knocking down those corner threes. I don't know if there's a guy you could find there who could do that at a much higher level if given space. Yeah. So yeah, just, I, I would think they would look for players who could, you know, play next to uh, a guy who was leading the NBA in assists and is one of like the most, dynamic runners of offense in NBA history. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anybody, like, I, I think you, you definitely still build around LeBron at this point and you, you just kind of hope for the players who could play with them or, or even like, you know, potential stretch fours. If you want to play Anthony Davis more at the five, which I think eventually would be the, the way to go. So yeah, those are just a, a few guys to look at. And then uh, the positional, of course, and and you know at that point in time that it, it draft, you're you're looking for the best option available to develop at that point in time, the one that you see the most potential out of, most likely, as opposed mm -hmm. to maybe filling a, a specific need, because yeah. like you said, just you know you know your options are not as plentiful as they are at the top end of the draft, where you're choosing more based off need, and, and I see that like you said, when it comes down to evaluating players it's going to be tougher for a team like the lakers or a team like milwaukee or a team like that sits at the end of the first round who can we get or who will fall to us at that point in time that we think can go ahead and make a mark on our team i mean the lakers with last year with taylor horton tucker somebody that that they're still thinking might have some potential 
to go ahead and be a contributor maybe in a year, two years. Do you still see that happening? I mean, I want to hear your thoughts on, on THT. Yeah, I, I was a, I really liked THT. I thought he was a great value pick, like uh, getting him that late. Um, and I know he's very close with uh, the Clutch family as well. And uh, oh, it's so a good thing. definitely doesn't hurt. No. Um, but yeah, he was one of the younger guys in the draft too. So the, yeah, I remember that. Like he was at least one or two. No, what, like one he, or two. he technically like, yeah, like he, he very well could have been a freshman this year in college yeah. Uh, because yeah, I think he was born like end of November. So yeah, he was young. He, he was somebody that while he had this fantastic like body, they knew he was going to have to improve his conditioning and uh, improve his shooting. But yeah, it's still a, a guy like it was always a long shot that he was going to come in and contribute this year. And uh, it, for the most part, in, unless you're drafting like a, a senior or somebody like, you know, like a Grant Riller, if they, if they could get him there, he's kind of more of a combo guard and not necessarily an amazing shooter, but like one of those possible like playmakers you could see playing well with LeBron. But yeah, unless you're you're getting somebody who is like you know physically mature and has like that experience, it, the likelihood of them contributing as a late first round pick that first year is it's not very high. Yeah, especially if you have aspirations for an NBA title, you yeah. rarely see that on a team like that. So I could I yeah. agree with you on that. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Voice from the underground. Well, uh, before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick, you know, about all the different stuff that you're working on and and things that you want to go ahead and sh- give a shout out to to our audience that that you want them to know about, especially when it comes to what you're doing in regards to the NBA draft. Yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm, I might have like uh, possibly release like a, a mock draft or do something like that. Right now, trying to collect as many like measurements as possible on uh, draft prospects, and you know at least if if you guys have some questions on uh, draft measurements, I'll, I'll do my best to answer that. I just over the years have collected a lot of that information. Always interested in like ages of players and things like that to have them all on uh, the curve there and. The event that I would usually be going to uh, is uh, the Nike Hoop Summit. And the other thing I, I was thinking of possibly doing there is every year I do a write-up on the Nike Hoop Summit. And unfortunately, we didn't hear what the world roster was going to be this year. But we know the USA roster. And I was thinking I, I might release some content on the players that were chosen for that roster and at least what I'd seen of them so far. So. Those are just a couple things I'm looking into. And then, yeah, just watching as much uh, footage and collecting as much intel on draft prospects as possible. 
And where can they find information if you do decide to go ahead and drop it on the uh, on the Nike Hoop Summit? Likely, I would think thestepin.com, which is a site that I've been associated with as well. And maybe even just like uh, my site, like michaelweisenberg.com. Either way, if you follow NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter, I'll have all of that posted there. Absolutely. So funny. <laughs> Ted Septian, he always lives on. He just, yeah. 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 Oh, we'll just continue to live on no matter if he likes it or not. So infamous. Yeah. Infamous. Very infamous indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, Michael, it's just been great talking to you today. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by the Lakers fast break. It's just so great having you here. And if possible, I would love to go ahead and invite you to come back and return whenever it's convenient for you upcoming months to talk about the NBA draft as it progresses, as the, the names get hot, the names you know get cold, the, the buzz goes on one, the buzz comes off another. You, you've seen it all and you've heard it all, but uh, I'm hoping you get a chance to stop by and talk to us uh, whenever it's convenient for you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a great time. And yeah, there's still going to be buzz. Things are still going to happen. So uh, we don't know when. But it's still going to happen, and I'm sure it's still going to be a process full of twists and turns. As is always the case with the NBA draft, whenever it comes, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll have to wait and see that tournament in, in Las Vegas or the Bahamas. I don't know who chose the Bahamas, but okay. You know, yeah. I guess, uh, I'm thinking Vegas is probably the, the way to go, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. But. Michael Weisenberg, it's just so great to have you on the show once again. Again, if you get a chance, please follow him today at NBA Draft Mikey B. You'll be glad you did. And I'll tell you what, it's just been so great having you on the show. Please, again, you're always welcome back right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.